conspiracy theories, eh? Wait till you get a load of this. Hello, and welcome to Cracked Sisters Conspiracies. We're a podcast that covers conspiracy theories, mysteries, and all of our spooky shit. My name's Jackie. And I'm Cassandra. And we are Set Sisters. Happy 4th of July! <laughs> what the fuck? It is not 4th of July. <laughs> but you know, it is May 30th. Now that we are releasing every week, I decided to do some research into when, realistically, the episodes come when out. This and this air. will be aired on 4th of July. Because we've been sleeping on all of the holidays that we passed because we talk about it three months. We are so Because we have such a backlog. I never thought to do that. Also, we're actually going to post on a holiday. We're not going to take a federal holiday off and rest. No. (laughs) I know. Weird. Fuck that. (laughs) We have nothing better to do. Let's be real. Exactly. Oh, that's exciting, though, because it's a Tuesday. That means you'll be home. It is. You can celebrate with us. Do you have it off? The 4th of July, yes. I am a non-government or a non-public servant, so it's oh. very normal. Yeah, I don't know what we're going to do. I don't know either, but I am taking the Friday prior up through 4th of July off. Yes. So nice five-day vacay. That'd be fun. Yeah. And also, I know this is not relevant to when this is posted, but happy birthday to me because yes. my birthday is on Saturday. Happy almost birthday to you. We're going to hopefully not drown in Lake <laughs> We will see. No, I learned how to drive a boat over this past weekend oh, camping yes. on Lake Kachuma or Kachuma Lake, depending on who you ask. It I would was- say Lake Kachuma. Okay, ask your father. There's going to be some difference of opinion there. Oh, no. Not worth hashing at this moment or rehashing, rather. Okay. I say Lake Kachuma. Yeah, Lake Kachuma. As most other people would. So, anywho, (laughs) I got to drive a boat there because the lake was full. Weather was gorgeous. It was perfect conditions. We caught nothing. Oh, yeah. And Grayson lost interest in fishing in a about five minutes because she that's about how long it takes me to lose interest in it right and she's seven she has absolutely no patience you don't learn to appreciate the serene solitude of fishing <laughs> until you are an old, old man old and curmudgeonly do you I like, like fishing i enjoyed the experience i don't like fishing i mean i didn't have my fishing license so i illegally <gasps> casted the two-foot rod a couple of times, but I caught nothing. I don't know that I have fished as an adult, and the last time we went camping at Kachuma was probably 25 years ago, for me at least. I I haven't been since I was a kid, and I obviously wasn't fishing. So, Hmm. interesting. Anywho, so what is our topic of conversation today? Today we're going over D.B. Cooper. Excuse me. Who is that? He's he's a man that we're going to talk about. I remember... Without a paddle. That's, that's I what actually, that is. So I watched that last night because that was my like quote unquote research. It is fucking hilarious. I forgot how funny that movie is and it's how much I love Matthew Lillard. Matthew Lillard, Seth Green. And who was the other person? Dak Shepard. Dak Shepard. That's what it was. For some reason, I thought it was Brecken Meyer in my head, but because he, no. he was around at that time too, but it was not him. Yeah. So they, four of them, and they grew up as kids 
obsessing over the db cooper case and then one of them tragically dies or something so they're like hey you know he's been working on this yeah we took it serious as a kid but as an adult he's been going back and trying to figure out where db cooper's body is so let's take this trip in remembrance of him so they do and it's just a fucking shit show but it's it was 2004 Oh, and it shows because they are making references or doing accents that maybe like wouldn't be appropriate. Color. And then there's one scene where they get into this bumfuck nowhere town and Matthew Lillard's character is like, hey, I need to call my girlfriend. And he goes to a payphone and Seth Green, he's like, wait, I just got this cool new cell phone. Like <laughs> you can take pictures, you can set a ringtone and they're blown away. And it was the most cool thing. Was it a flip phone? It was a flip phone. <laughs> okay. So we were after the Nokia brick. At yes, that point. we were in cool. He kept calling it a satellite phone, but I think he meant to call it a cell phone because it just looked like a cell phone. It doesn't look like I mean, a, a sat satellite phone. phone. Oh, yeah. That was a thing, too. But. Well, those are very distinct in what they look like. So actually, for, for our Patreon viewers, I feel like they would benefit from their members. From your ass hanging out in this from video. From ass hanging out in my shorts. <laughs> But they get the visual component. Where is it? Oh, did I get rid of it? Oh, no. I know I have it somewhere. I have all of my old cell phones. Oh, my gosh. Like, you are so dad's here's child. Here's my, my HTV. Oh, it's a little. I have a BlackBerry still. I think I still oh, have my Razor. I wanted a BlackBerry so goddamn bad. I lived on the Crackberry, and I kept it as a... Does Grayson have it? It's very possible, but I kept it as an emergency backup phone, and I actually used it when one of my other phones yeah. died over time. I I have almost every phone I've ever owned. So I decided to not love you, Dad, be like Dad, and I did throw away 90% of I think I threw away actually all of my old phones because I had every single one just in case, but I'm not going to fucking use them. Yeah. So, and but what I'm I've realized over time is oh you know what I think I have some in another box. I kept the phones, but mm -hmm. the chargers have changed significantly. Oh yeah. So like they use chargers that I can't even tell you what the connection is. Yeah, that is a good point. So I know I have a phone without a charger, so I'm like oh, I should probably get rid so of this phone. <laughs> and I might have gotten rid of a, an item or two, but I also have a growing e-waste pile because I'm finally starting hmm. to let go of my old technology. There you go. The only thing I think I have to hold on to is my laptop from when that was my graduation present. Is that the one you're still using when you come over to my house? No, no, no. Oh. That was a, that was an old work hand-me-down, but I still have my old Dell Inspiron oh, yeah. 6000. It was a graduation present. I graduated high school in 2005. It has Windows XP on it. <laughs> does it still turn on? It does. Oh. And it, I still have the charger for it. But I had gotten Grayson a knockoff iPod, like an MP3 yeah. player. Because it looks exactly like an iPod. Mm -hmm. But it's only compatible with Windows oh, that's right, XP that's right. yes. or earlier. And, and I'm like, okay, well, now I've just been having fun ripping CDs and, you know, making her playlist. So I'll hold on to that. It was a sad day in the... LaRue household when my iPod touch took a shit about nine months ago. Every iPod I have ever owned has been stolen out of my vehicle. Lock your car. The first time <laughs> was entirely my fault because I did leave my truck unlocked. Yes. The second time my window got busted. Oh, yeah. And I know for sure two were stolen. There might have been a third in the rotation before I just gave up on the 
the dream of having portable music. No, mom's coworker Johnny sold me my iPod Touch in 2010. Oh my god. And gosh. I listened to it, no joke, every single day. Not only at school all day long during class, but as I got older, it was just in my truck and that's the only oh, music yeah. I listened to until literally about nine months ago in 2020. What are we in? Three? 2023. Last I think the time. end of 2022 is when it finally took a shit and I could not get it to work. And I took it to Best Buy and I'm like, hey, can you help me? Something happened. It, <laughs> I swear to God, it worked yesterday. And he just looked at me and went, what the fuck is this? I go, it's an iPod. He goes, move on. I'm like, fuck you, dude. Wow. So he couldn't fix it. So mom gave me her old iPod. But then I found, because I've also had 10 different iPods. I found one of my old ones that I have in my truck that I listen to occasionally. Okay. So what we did was I really- can't move on from the iPods. I, I got it. <laughs> but what this conversation accomplished was really setting the tone in which the movie, the era that it took place. Okay. I mean, the movie was in 2004. This happened in the 70s. <laughs> That's right. DB so Cooper. we're totally on the I, wrong. Yes. Without a paddle is not the topic of conversation. <laughs> it's, not, it just happens. God, it's a good movie. To highlight that. <laughs> Got it. So circling back, <laughs> take it away. Okay. So on November 24th, 1971, an unidentified man was carrying a black briefcase and a brown paper bag, and he purchased a one-way mm. ticket in cash for Northwest Orient Airlines Flight 305 from Portland to Seattle. I am going to go on a limb here and say that Northwest Orient Airlines does not exist anymore. I don't think so because I've never fucking heard of and that. And I don't think you're allowed to say things like that anymore. It's, it's not Oriental. I know. I just feel like that's... Orient. Like you're orientated. I was thinking... North. I don't know. I, don't, well. I feel like that's a directional term. I just feel, okay, you know what? You might be right. But you're right. I also don't think it's <laughs> it's there anymore. It is now defunct. Okay. Is, is that a word? <laughs> defunct? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I should know that. <laughs> Witnesses describe the man as a white male adult in his mid-40s with dark hair and brown eyes. So any man ever. <laughs> he had been wearing a dark business suit with a white button-up shirt, a thin black tie, a black raincoat, and brown shoes. The man told the chick at the counter that his name was Dan Cooper. Sorry, I was just stuck on the black coat and brown shoes. Can right? <laughs> I did the same thing when I wrote these notes. I went, oh, that's a, that's a cardinal sill right there. <laughs> Shortly after takeoff, Cooper handed the female flight attendant, her name was Florence Schaffner, a note. Schaffner assumed it was just his phone number, so she put it in her purse without reading it. Cooper leaned over and said, quote, Miss, you better look at that note. I have a bomb. Oh, my God. <laughs> what was the point of the note, then, if you're just going to come right out? I know. Well, I, he didn't expect her to just put it away without looking at it. <laughs> Shafter gave the note back to Cooper and sat down next to him. She asked to see the bomb, so he opened the briefcase, and the flight attendant saw two rows of four red cylinders, which she assumed was dynamite. Attached to the cylinders, there were wires and a large cylindrical battery. So, question. Yes. Do we know if it's legitimately a bomb or just something made to look like a bomb? Because I don't know. I about never found you. out. Because uh, you could tell me something's a bomb. And if it has all the components, I would be like, okay. I don't think so. Because in all my research, they never went into dissecting the bomb. Because normally, bomb is a very personal object that someone makes it has a lot of signatures based on that person oh. so and all the uh, i have nine pages of notes so and <laughs> all of it they never fucking talked about the bomb so i don't think it was real Schaffner wrote down all of cooper's demands and then brought their note into the cockpit and informed all crew that hey 
were being hijacked, basically. Awesome. The flight captain named William A. Scott contacted Northwest Flight Operations in Minnesota and relayed his demands. Minnesota. Minnesota. So Cooper wanted $200,000 in a knapsack by 5 p.m. He wanted two front parachutes and two back parachutes. And he wanted the money in negotiable American currency. And upon landing in Seattle, the fuel trucks must meet the plane and all passengers must remain seated while the first flight attendant, Schaffner, brought the money aboard. He said he would release all of the passengers after he got the money and the last items brought aboard would be the four parachutes. I feel like that's a lot of money to ask for in such a short amount of time. I can't imagine that. And it's the 70s. $200,000. I forgot the fucking... That's a lot when you account for inflation over the years. Yeah. But I I don't think the banks had the abundant reserves that we have now. So you usually have to call to arrange something like that. So he's just setting them up for failure to begin with. Well, we'll see. (laughs) So the passengers were told that their arrival would be a little delayed due to a minor mechanical difficulty because they didn't want to freak everyone out. The mechanical difficulty being the plane might explode. (laughs) Uh, The president of Northwest Orient, Donald Nipro, authorized the payment of the ransom and ordered that all employees need to cooperate and comply with Cooper's demands. I'm sure that's not something that happened very often. No, because... After this event, it changed a lot of the ways metal detectors were brought in. It changed a lot of ways, kind of like 9-11 did. Nothing like a good terrorist event to, you know, change the aviation I mean, yeah. So for approximately two hours, the plane circled to give Seattle police and the FBI time to get the money, parachutes, and set up emergency personnel. Do police stations keep, like, cash on hand? No. No. I mean, we have cash. It's a forfeit Esseter? Okay. I'm not saying that right. Okay. I I don't know. But yeah, but that's not this this is more like the FBI. They don't they have like contact a bank or something. No, 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 no. Hostage negotiations. No. Okay. So the flight captain, once Schaffner, the flight attendant, came in and told the cockpit what was going on and gave Cooper's demands. The flight captain's like, hey, I don't want you going back out there with Cooper. Instead, we're gonna send this bitch, Tina Mucklow. And so she was now acting liaison between Cooper and the remaining flight staff, which is fucking rude. It's rude. And also, I don't have a lot of confidence in her based on her name alone. I mean, she does pretty well. But it's like, how are you going to say, hey, this is dangerous. You can stay in here. Tina, go to the the hijacker. (laughs) Like, (laughs) poor fucking Tina. Wait, what was Tina's role initially? So she's also a flight attendant. Oh, she had nothing so to do it's with not this. like she was any more skilled or experienced. No, that, oh. but once Schaffner came into the locked cockpit, because I assume they lock it behind them or something, she said, hey, this is what's happening. And, and the captain said, okay, you stay in here. We'll have we'll have Tina go deal with it. Clearly there was a favorite amongst <laughs> the, so. the, the flight crews. <laughs> so while the plane was circling, Mucklow, Uh, was making small talk with Cooper and she noted that he seemed familiar with the local terrain and that he didn't seem nervous and she recalled him just being really nice. Like, I guess while they were flying, he, like, looked out the window and said, oh, there's Tacoma, Washington. A pleasant terrorist. He kind of was. Like, that's the vibe that is throughout this whole story. She asked him why he had chosen Northwest Airlines to hijack, to which she laughed and said, it's not because I have a grudge against your airlines. It's just because I have a grudge. But against who? What? Why? The world? I don't know. (laughs) So around 524 p.m., the captain was informed that Cooper's demands were ready to be dropped off. 
So Cooper then told the captain to park the plane in a particularly lit runway and demanded that only one representative from the airline approach the plane with his parachutes and his money. Was it Tina? Because <laughs> she's on the plane. They, okay. want, they want only one person driving to the plane Got and it. handing off his shit. Okay. It's Al. <laughs> so Northwest Orient's Seattle operations manager, Al Lee, was designated to be the courier. So fucking Al and Tina pissed somebody off. Yeah, they drew the short straw that day for sure. So Al arrived on scene. Tina went out there. She grabbed all of the shit that Cooper requested. And she then gave Cooper everything that he wanted. And Cooper agreed to release all the passengers. So he was in the furthest backseat of the plane. So it wouldn't be suspicious that everyone's now getting off and he's not getting off yet because he's in the back of the plane. And normally, and he's one of those respectful people that sits and waits for the plane to empty. Yeah, instead of the people the, that are fucking like standing in the, yeah. That nothing in the makes row. you fucking matter when the person behind you stands up and like they're gonna go it's like oh no bitch if i have to wait we're all fucking waiting i will wait here all day right no we have established in a prior episode that i do not travel via plane very often i do have to modify a statement that i made i misspoke when i said that vegas was the last time i had been on a plane in 10 years i realized i forgot i had gone to idaho with evan when we oh, went yeah. to go scattered out so Correction, I have been on a plane twice in the what? past decade. I'm literally going on a plane on Monday. <laughs> Hated it. Yes, you are. Hated it both times. But I, yeah, I have no desire to get up and just stand and wait my turn. It's so fucking it's rude. weird. Do you, do you clap when the plane lands? No, I'm not a clapper. Thank God. Okay. I mean, I, I mean, no offense, but kind of a little No, offense. dude, if, if you clap, those people, get fucked, bro. <laughs> Okay, so while waiting for <laughs> all the passengers to depart the plane, Tina was trying to make the situation less tense because she's standing next to him in the back. Was she doing stand-up on the plane? No, but she <laughs> jokingly asked Cooper, she's like, hey, can I have some of the money? And he's like, sure. And he handed her a stack of bills. <gasps> See, you know what? That just goes to show it never hurts to ask. Right? The worst you can hear is no. no. Exactly. So she's like, oh, fuck. No, it's against policy. Please take it back. You know what? I feel like policy should go out the window. <laughs> I would have taken the fucking bill. In a hijacking situation. That should be my, like, what's the word? My hazard pay, essentially, <laughs> for having go. to deal with that. So during the whole interaction, multiple flight attendants had asked small favors of Cooper. Like, one wanted to go get her purse that was behind a seat. And another, at some point, was like, hey, can we all fucking leave? Like, we don't want to be here anymore. So they were like legitimate ass. They're not trying to yeah. be shady. So every okay. time Cooper was very polite when the chick asked to get her purse, he's like, yeah, I won't bite you. So she got a purse. And then when the other one asked if her and multiple other flight attendants could leave, he goes, whatever your girls would like. Like he was like, just very blase, very nice. So clearly the issue is not with them. No, 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 okay. not at all. It's not like he was like holding them accountable for something and taking it out on them. So it's like a tinge of terrorism, not like yeah, like a, a scotch. <laughs> so there was a slight issue with the refueling of the plane. So while they were all waiting, Tina stated Cooper had expressed a dissatisfaction with the money having been given in a cloth bag because he specifically asked for it to be in a knapsack. Ooh. Are knapsacks not made of cloth? Bro, I don't know. I assume a knapsack is a potato sack, but I don't know. Oh, like a... That's burlap. Burlap, that's the word. This is a 70s. I don't know what the fuck a knapsack is. I feel like I would have fucked that one up. Because well, they did. <laughs> and he was okay. a little upset because they gave it in a canvas bag. And he went, this isn't what I asked for. So we got a little 
annoyed with that. But then he used a pocket knife and he cut one of the canopies from the reserve parachutes because he asked for four. And he stuffed some of the money inside of the parachute bag. I wonder what the motivation for the... I don't know. But now that only leaves him with three parachutes instead of four. What would he need more than one for? So some theorize that he requested multiple to make it seem like he would be taking hostages. Because they're more likely to comply if they think he's getting hostages. Because why would one person... Yeah, because I'm four. like, it's just, you know, looking out for number one. He no, just no. needs to to bounce. No, they wanted, they assume he wanted it to seem like he was bringing more, so they would be more inclined to comply. That makes sense. Yeah. Cool. Cooper then gave the cockpit crew. Say that five times. Fast. I can't even say it once. <laughs> his flight plan and directives. So this is what he wanted them to do. A southeast course towards Mexico City. At the minimum airspeed possible without stalling the aircraft, which would be approximately 100 knots, and at a maximum of 10,000 feet in altitude. He also specified the landing gear must be deployed, the wing flaps must be lowered 15 degrees, and the cabin must remain unpressurized. So he knows shit about planes. Right? Also, I just need to digress a little bit. Uh I don't understand how knots work. I work with a bunch of people who are sailors. It's they- also 150 miles per hour. Thank you. Okay, so what was what was the knots? 100 knots, which would equal 115 miles per hour. So it's like, oh, God, please don't go on the kilogram. I Oh, no. We're uh, not going to go there. So I'm just going to kind of round down. So if you say 100 knots, it's about 100 a miles an hour. Yeah, so a knot is about a mile. Thank you. I just, my little brain yeah, I don't needed a way mean. to easily digest that. Continue. So you better remember this when you're driving the boat on Saturday. And I say, 10 knots, let's go. Seven miles an hour. <laughs> no. No, wait. 12 miles an hour. You know what? About, yeah. about 10 miles. You're See, fired. You're I was trying to do the conversion. I'm like, no, I already just blew my own logic out of the water. About 10 miles an hour. Hold on. Do we have the same color nails? No. Oh, my God. I wanted what? to talk about this. So, Alex, I took him to his first Manny Petty. I saw. It was his idea because he's like, oh, your birthday's coming up. We're going to the lake. Let's go get our nails done. Did he like it? He fucking loved it. That bougie bitch. I literally saved a fucking life and he didn't stop fucking with his back massager. Let me tell you about this. Ooh. So, we're sitting there. He, we're getting a Manny Petty. He gets, like, the most expensive one. He gets of a paraffin course. wax. Ooh. And it looks really funny. He's like, I'll get you one. I go, no, I'm okay. So he does that. He wants a mani-pedi. He wants the whole thing. This is his first time because this is his first time his skin is okay because mm. of his shots. So he was really self-conscious prior to. He has sure. really bad eczema. We all. No, we don't. Fuck off. You don't, <laughs> I don't. You don't know the struggles. <laughs> so these So we're getting it. He's like super kind of uncomfortable because the, the woman's asking him questions and he's like, the panic looking at me. I don't know what she's saying. Because he doesn't understand. And I'm like, so I'm trying to explain it. And she's just laughing. So she's at some probably point. probably just commenting on his side. I know. I, I like her. I've had her before. So at some point, she just looks at me and starts asking me. He goes, I don't know. She'll tell you what I want. Sure. So he's doing that. And then I'm getting both my toes and my, my hands done at the same time. And then the woman across from me, she's maybe in her early 30s. And she just kind of like... I like every once in a while I look at her. I'm on my phone otherwise. But then she just kind of is looking like she's not doing so hot. She just kind of has a blank stare and her hands called contractures. Her hands are just like, like the claws. The claws. They're, oh. and, and I'm like, hey, is she okay? And then everyone's like, nah. And I'm like, cool, move. So I get up, my fucking feet are soaking wet and I go over to her and I think she's having a seizure. <gasps> 
And I'm like, hey, can someone fucking call 911? So the chick next to her is like, yeah, I'll do that. So she does that. I make sure she's still breathing. And it goes on for over a minute. And she finally comes to. And I'm like, hello. She goes, hey, what's happening? I go, you just blacked out. I think you had a seizure. And she goes, oh, yeah. And I'm like, is this prone to that? Well, I said, is this common for you? Because you're awfully calm. She goes, no. But then I later find out that she's had seizures in the past and she's blacked out in the past. And then she keeps putting her hand on her stomach, but she doesn't look pregnant. I go, hey, are you pregnant? She goes, yeah. I go, okay. And she's like, I'm really fine. I'm like, no, No. we're going to keep the paramedics rolling. And I'm like, so how far along are you just trying to make small talk? She's like, going four months. And uh, I go, is it a boy or a girl? She goes, well, I'm finding out after this. This is why I'm getting my nails done. Oh, I, you, you know, and I'm like, oh my God. So I'm like, why don't you call your boyfriend and we'll get him rolling. And then, you know, the firefighters came or whatever. And she was totally fine. She refused to go because she's like, I feel fine now. And that's when I realized this must happen often because she wasn't she acting wasn't like someone. Yeah. It. Like someone else would be. So. You know, she came up to me before she left and she said, thanks again. And I go, you know, good luck on your shit. And I saw, I watched her, you know, boyfriend take her out or whatever. Literally while I'm saving a life, Alex is like, man, this massager is cool. And he's just fucking with the buttons. He's like, this is not my problem. And like, oh, I like this setting on the massage. And I'm like, you motherfucker. So anyway, back to this. What so after I saved the life, <laughs> well, he told me after he's like, you know what you're doing. Did I he, don't need to be in there. Did he not think that that was the coolest thing ever? Just he did. He just didn't want to tell his me. His woman step <laughs> up and just be it a badass bitch me. like that? He's like, I expected you to do something. Like, I don't need to get in there. Like, you're doing fine. So. I mean, he's right. But no, you deserve a little more. It was fine. Praise. Well, she was actually very She paid for my. Did she, she really? She paid my shit. So when I went up there, I said, hey, I think you took my ticket. And he's like, yeah. The woman's life that you saved paid for it. I went, oh my God, that's so that nice. That was so nice. Anyway, so I had picked a dark gray for my nails. And, that is and not a, dark gray. Thank you. And a pink for my toes. I had men who oh. I hate getting men nail stylists. No people. offense to men, but no offense, but they touch. don't do the greatest job. You know, usually they in my experience, do not adhere to our needs. And men are fucking colorblind. They are. So the dude pulls out the stuff. He goes, oh, it's dry. I said, okay and he's like and he didn't speak very good english which is fine but i'm like hey any dirt gray gray in general i'm cool so he's like like this so he comes back and i just he doesn't even show me i just see a dark bottle and i went perfect and he puts the first coat on i went this is blue and he does all my nails i went this is fucking blue so that's and i just keep thinking this is blue that is borderline green like, Which are you colorblind? Oh, That's green, okay. you Com- idiot. No, they're very similar. Okay. So, you know what? I looked at this and I went, it's this more is Cassie. Like a tealy color. This is the color Cassie would yes, get. Because I have entered my <laughs> bad bitch forest green era. That is my power this color. This is a dark, dark blue. This is the color I wear all day, every day now. <laughs> I wanted gray. I'm very upset about it, but I'm not going to be the person like, bitch, you picked the wrong color. So I'll just fucking write it out. But I mean, you had every right considering you (laughs) saved a life in their establishment. You should get whatever you want. It's okay. Oh, but so Alex enjoyed it. I should take him for a a ladies day to the four seasons. You have no idea. While we're sitting there, I'm like, are you having fun? He's like, I'm, I'm in heaven. And I go, cool. He's like, I want to do this 
twice a month. They go, that's excessive. I will take He's like, him. I want a facial. I said, honey, they don't give facials here. He goes, well, I don't care. I want a facial. I want my no. nails did. I oh, want to no. be pampered. So he would love to go to the okay, Four Seasons. So for his birthday, at the very least, him and I are going to have a girl's day. We're he gonna, would love that. We're going to go to the Four Seasons spa. Oh my I am going loved to it. treat him. Alex, what? I don't know if you even listen. You probably he doesn't. Listen he told me he exclusively does not. You know what? <laughs> demoted you lose one <laughs> but he pays, pays for our patreon okay fine you support us kind of <laughs> he said i will financially support you guys i don't want to listen to you i said that's fair <laughs> then we will just talk about you exactly so back to db cooper <laughs> yes. okay so he gave the captain his demands that you know he wants the airplane going at this many knots and this many altitude and so whatever. demonstrating that he knew what the fuck he was talking about yeah Apparently, Cooper's original calculations had been wrong, and he was told that per his request, they would need to stop at some point while en route to Mexico City to refuel. <laughs> what uh, you doing? I am acting like the captain of the She's pilot. She's playing with the flight I have simulator. a flight control system simulator. Oh, actually, I don't have it. God, either. Alex wants one of those so bad. And when I told him Evan had one, he almost shit his pants. He's very upset. Yeah, because his boyfriend gets all the cool toys that he wants. <laughs> I don't know how to use it. I couldn't even figure it out if I tried. But it seemed inappropriate. There you go. Not to accessory. <laughs> so yeah, so the captain's like, hey, you're a little wrong. We're gonna have to you're a little wrong. <laughs> We're gonna have to refuel at some point. So after some back and forth, everyone agreed that they would stop in Reno, Nevada to refuel. At approximately at some <laughs> point in the journey. At some point in the journey, the plane was fueled up and they took off. Per Cooper's demands, the plane took off with the rear exit door open, which was terrifying to the crew, specifically Tina, who was stuck, again, being with Cooper this entire time. So he's like, hey, we're going to take off now because all the passengers have gotten off. He got his money, got his shit. He goes, we're going to keep the back door open. So all of the stuff that you see in movies, like you open a door and then you're going to fly out. So he requested the plane be depressurized. And if you don't close the doors, you can't pressurized so it was already like that the whole entire flight but it's like scary having just a giant fucking window that's gotta be so fucking loud right uh, i, I would, think about that i would just cry i would sit and cry <laughs> i mean never mind, the fact, never mind the fact that i am on a you know plane being held hostage <laughs> just, but he's nice that's fine it makes it all better so shortly after takeoff cooper told Stop tina syndrome Sorry. not yet not yet. <laughs> Cooper told Tina to lower the air stair, which is the stairs that you walk down when you open the door. And Tina's like, nah, bro, I'm going to be sucked out this fucking airplane. You do it. That would be my response. And so she's like, hey, can I go to the cockpit and get a rope? to tie myself to the airplane tina is having a and bad he's like yeah. he's like no i don't want you doing that like i don't want you going to the cockpit she's like cool 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 uh can we think of something else like i don't want to be sucked out of this airplane and so he's like hold my belt loop there, there was many so he's finally like i'll fucking do it like go away <laughs> that just demonstrates that you can't rely on other people to do the things that you need them to do I do everything yourself or fucking tita so his last instruction to her was he told her to go to the cockpit, close the first class curtain behind her, and then remain in the cockpit for the duration of the flight. Oh, righty. So she's like, cool beans. So she begged him to take the bomb with him. Sure. Because she's like, hey, there, there's, still, want... there's still a fucking bomb on this plane. Give Portina a break. And he's like, yeah, like, I'll either take it with me or I'll disarm it before I go. I've, I haven't decided yet, which also makes me think it wasn't a real bomb. Because, like, wouldn't you have a plan? 
I feel with the the amount of thought that has gone everything into else, everything and else, it's honestly like he honestly forgot about the bomb. Yeah, the fa- that tells I feel me it's like that real. would be at the forethought of your mind. Yeah, she's like, yeah, cool. So then she goes back and she does what she's told, and she was the last person to see Cooper. And it's believed that he jumped at approximately eight thirteen p.m. And then the plane landed in Reno as it was scheduled to do so at approximately 11.02 p.m. And they calculate that that's the time he jumped because the wing dipped and there was like a little bit of a, a drop, which would, you know, happen from a person jumping off of a fucking plane. Sure. But up to this point, there's been no violence. There's been no, no he's been very nice. Like a, a cordial hijacking. Yeah, of course. All right. So now we're going to go over the investigation. Ooh. So the FBI uh, searched the plane. And located 66 latent fingerprints, along with Cooper's black clip-on tie, a mother-of-pearl tie clip, a hair from his headrest, eight filter-tipped Rayleigh cigarette butts from the armrest ashtray, because you could still smoke on planes at this point. That was a long time ago. And then two of the provided four parachutes. Oh, so two of them were left behind. One of them he ripped up, Uh and then the other he used for himself. Correct. The FBI interviewed multiple witnesses and started getting a composite sketch of what Cooper possibly looked like. This is what Cooper possibly looked like. Any man. Like just like USA. a white dude with like a, he's got a relatively thin face. Uh, I mean. It like tapers down at the chin. He's, he's, His eyes are a little far apart. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, he's, it's a little wide up top, but <laughs> who am I to say anything? So the FBI then started looking into possible suspects and located a Portland man named D.B. Cooper who had a minor police record. So remember, when he purchased the ticket, he said his name was Dan Cooper. So they're like, maybe this guy was dumb enough to use his real name. I feel like he wouldn't be, though, with all of the other thought he put into it. Also, not that it matters, Portland, Oregon or Portland, Washington. Portland, Oregon. Oh, okay. They look into this guy and they're like, hey, you know, he does have a little bit of a police record. And after a short investigation, they actually ruled him out as a suspect. However, reporter named Clyde Jabin with the United Press International Wire Service published a story with the name D.B. Cooper since everyone just copies everyone. Sure. And so that got released. And then other news sites picked it up and they said, oh, D.B. Cooper, D.B. Cooper. That's why we know the name D.B. Cooper. Because this poor dude was actually almost exonerated, I guess, from the suspect list. But this guy was on a deadline for the paper and he just published it without verifying his source. Oh, no. Yep. Poor Dan. (laughs) On December 6th, 1971, the FBI Director J. Edgar Hoover approved the use of an Air Force Blackbird to retrace the flight plan in an attempt to find the belongings of Cooper. This is going to be really stupid and we might have to cut this. Was Hoover a president? No, so he's the... well. I think there was a president named Hoover, but it's not the same one. So, like, J. Edgar Hoover is really popular because he was the director of the FBI. Oh. He was, like, I'm like, I know I know the name. Oh, See, Herbert Hoover. Herbert Hoover. I am Herbert, Herbert. woefully ignorant when it comes Who to American history. I did not pay attention to any of that. The only president I remember was James K. Polk because I had to do a report on him once. I, I think he was is. the 12th president. Oh, oh, he was 11. See, I was wrong there, too. Don't quote me on anything. Jesus. So, the Blackbird made five flights, but due to the poor visibility, they were never able to find anything concrete. Because they originally wanted to have this Blackbird fly the path and then take photographs. So that way they could zoom in and create, like, a map of where it is. But each time, 
you couldn't see shit from the plane. So they're like, this was a giant waste of our time. Wonderful. Yeah. Since they couldn't see the ground, they decided, hey, we're just going to recreate his jump. So they took a plane and they pushed a 200-pound sled off the plane. Oh, not a person. Okay. Not, not a person. <laughs> they didn't sacrifice a human being. They put a sled out because that's roughly how much he weighed. Did they put a parachute on the sled? I don't know. I hope so. <laughs> so they did that and tried to see if they could find where this sled lands and maybe that's where DB landed. Where yeah. he would be. At that point. Yes. So initial extrapolations. Yep. Place Cooper's landing. I love how you use words in your notes that you don't even know. I didn't. Wikipedia says. Oh, so it was just a copy and paste. Sometimes I got a lot of notes. Sometimes, you know, you get a little lazy. So uh, initial findings. Place Cooper's (laughs) landing zone within an area on the southernmost outreach of Mount St. Helens, a few miles southeast of Ariel, Washington, near Lake Merwin. 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 Mer- Murder. <laughs> so <laughs> FBI agents and sheriff's deputies then went and searched the area where he's alleged to have dropped the foot, helicopter, boat, and door-to-door searches. Neither Cooper nor any of his belongings were found during this extensive search. So they tried flying the Blackbird and taking pictures. They failed. No dice. They tried shoving a 200-pound sled out the thing and searching that area couldn't find nothing i mean that one i don't i i can see potentially getting like a starting point but mm-hmm. how much time had passed between when the event took place and when it was the same year it was it was rel- like within a month maybe the or same something. year though but i'm like homie would have booked it from whatever landing site yeah but they're like they, they so they assume he's dead so they're just trying to find a body. Oh, they're working under the assumption that or he is not a, with a us. bill that fell out or a, a parachute piece or See, literally to me, anything. I immediately thought homie jumped, gotcha, gotcha. had a plan, and he's so far away from where. So technically that's also a possibility because they can't find him, right? Yeah, my my immediate assumption was not that he perished. Gotcha. So the next year in I 19... join the FBI. Continue. I don't think you should. The next year, in 1972, FBI teams helped approximately 200 U.S. soldiers search again, and they conducted an 18-day ground search, and the only thing that they discovered was a skeleton, but it belonged to a woman named Barbara Ann Derry. She was a teenage girl who had been abducted and murdered several weeks before. So they solved a murder. They solved a crime. I wouldn't have expected a skeleton to be found that soon, but I, I mean, it was the next year. I don't, I don't know what the the weather condition is. is. Yeah, I, I think it's in winter. This is in winter, so technically, you. I find feel a like skeleton. it would have been more preserved than anything. a thousand percent. You would not find a skeleton. So. But whatever. They solved that issue. (laughs) Sure. Someone got closure, but not on this case. Exactly. So the Northwest Orient offered a reward of 15% of any of the recovered money to a maximum of $25,000. In early 1972, U.S. Attorney General John N. Mitchell released the serial numbers to the general public. The serial numbers on the bills that they gave D.B. Cooper. Oh, Two men then used those serial numbers and printed counterfeit $20 bills and swindled $30,000 from a Newsweek reporter named Carl Fleming in exchange for an interview with the man they falsely claimed was the hijacker. They had to have anticipated that was going to happen. Obviously fucking not. 
And it happened oh, multiple times no. to multiple You people. have to assume the worst from people. I know. Do not expect people to stand up and do the right thing in 99% of these situations. I agree, and they did not. I am dis... Again, I should be part of the FBI. For what? I don't know. What are you going to do? What would you do differently in this case that they've done? Not stupid stuff like that. <laughs> Okay. You know, I'll be a voice of reason. I'll be a consultant to the FBI. There you go. Consultant's a job. There you go. On February 10th, 1980, eight-year-old Brian Ingram was vacationing with his family on the Columbia River. As he, like, raked the Sandy River Bank to build a campfire, he uncovered three packets of the ransom cash, totaling about $5,800. The bills had disintegrated from lengthy exposure to the elements, but were still bundled in the original rubber bands. FBI technicians confirmed that the money was indeed a portion of the ransom. There was two packets of $120 bills and a third packet of 90 $100 bills. All arranged in the same order that was given to Cooper. Moment of truth. You're at the beach. You're fucking around. Not Did- fucking calling the FBI. I was going to say, are you going to say anything? But I saw a picture. It? They're so disintegrated. You couldn't use it. Oh, okay. Well, if there's no usable, game, that's mine. Again, this harkens back to expect the worst. Yeah, you people. just said people are trash and you're like, I'm going to steal this fucking money if I find it. I did not say <laughs> those words. I no, asked what would happen and you offered You up. literally <laughs> nodded and said, yup. <laughs> I'm just, that would be expected behavior from people. Exactly. But- <laughs> After an extensive investigation into this found money, they still came up with fucking nothing. So those bills are the only confirmed physical evidence from the hijacking found outside of the aircraft to this day. Which, yeah, again, is nothing. It's useless yeah. pieces of money. That I mean, you got $5,800 back, I guess, but it's not usable, so it's pointless. Uh, yeah, and it's not like there's going to be any evidence on it. Yeah. So in 2019, the FBI released a report stating that about three hours after Cooper had jumped, a burglary had been reported at a small grocery store in the general area that Cooper could have, would have landed. Sure. The burglar was noted by the FBI to have taken only survival items, such as beef jerky and gloves. Beef jerky? Sure. Gloves? Questionable. So obviously, I would have grabbed they beef fo- jerky and toilet paper. <laughs> Ooh, that'd be a good one. Right? So they followed up and they weren't able to substantiate that the burglar was Cooper. Also, that could have been any singles man. <laughs> single man like, right? trip to the stores. <laughs> So now we're going to talk a little bit about the physical evidence that they found throughout this extensive years. That was apparently useless in the long run. Really it is. After studying Cooper's clip-on tie, they were able to determine somehow that it came from a J.C. Penney and it was purchased or stolen prior to 1968 because that specific tie had been discontinued after 1968. How awful would it be to be the person in charge of maintaining inventory records for ties? This particular and a clip-on tie at that, right? Trashy. What a miserable existence that would be. <laughs> you wanted to be in the FBI. I, I don't want to work for J.C. Penney's inventory <laughs> control. So, on March 2009, a group of citizen sleuths using GPS, satellite imagery, and other technologies that were unavailable in 1971 began reinvestigating the components of the case. They called themselves the Cooper Research Team, or CRT for short, using electron microscopy. Electron microscopes, but microscopy. I don't believe like it. <laughs> uh, and other sciencey shit. And they were <laughs> shit. So able <laughs> to find all of these tiny metal 
particles that suggested that Cooper may have worked for Boeing or some other chemical manufacturing plant. Which would track if you specifically given his aviation knowledge because he knew so much about planes. Ooh, the plot thickens. It does. So the FBI then went to work on the hair sample that was found on Cooper's headrest, and after confirming it could be used as a comparison one day, it conveniently was lost. Huh. 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 In 1998, the FBI sought to extract DNA from the cigarette butts that had been in the ashtray of the handrest or armrest but discovered the butts had been destroyed while in custody of the Las Vegas field office. This sounds like an inside job if I ever heard right. it. That's why there's some the conspiracy theory. There's some corruption, potentially. So now we're going to get into different possibilities of who was Who DB done Cooper. it. Who done it. Per the flight attendant, Cooper was- Which one? Tina. Tina and the other bitch. <laughs> Schaffner that got Poor relieved Tina. of duty. Cooper was described as about 5'10", black, slicked back hair, brown eyes, 170 to 180 pounds, olive skin tone with no discernible accent. And then, of course, almost everyone else that they interviewed had a slightly different description. No, he wasn't 5'10". He was 5'9". No, he didn't have olive skin. He was white. No, he was Mexican. No, his eyes were a different color. I am so bad at guesstimating things about people. Age, especially. I'm so good at age. It is a superpower. I'm usually within three years of someone's age. I love that game. Really? Yeah. I'm so good at it. No, see, I struggle with that because like, I personally don't think I totally look the age that I am. And so when I apply that logic to other people, I don't think Evan looks like a 40 year old man. And he always no, gets told he looks younger. Yeah. Like you look like you're 12 most of the time. <laughs> I look like a little boy most of the time. <laughs> but yeah, but it's, it's even worse when I'm trying to like age kids. That sounds weird. I so because I don't have a kid, I do not know what age kids are. I have a kid and it skews my if view. If you're 16 and up, I got you. If you're under 16, I have no fucking idea. I would are. never try to guess anyone's weight because muscle. Oh, I I'm not good at weight. No, I would be wrong and just offend everyone all the time. I hurt my own feelings every day. I know. But I feel like a lot of the other like details, like eye color and stuff, I would probably so, so be Tina good was at. the only one that gave a definitive eye color because she spent so much time with him, which was brown. But everyone else, like, I mean, height and stuff like that. People sometimes people aren't good at guessing. If people that. think he's Mexican versus like, well, they said olive skin. Olive is oh, darker. That, that that's broad reaching. That kid, but also someone's like, nah, he wasn't olive or Mexican. He's white. There there was a couple different oh, okay. variations. Many theorize that Cooper was an Air Force veteran for a multitude of reasons. He was able to identify Tacoma, Washington just from an aerial view. Nope. And I guess there's McCord Air Force Base nearby at Tacoma that most civilians don't know about. Sure. I don't know about it. FBI agents speculated that Cooper took his alias from a popular French language Belgian comic series featuring a fictitious, fictitious. hero, Dan Cooper, who was a Royal Canadian Air Force test pilot who took part in numerous heroic adventures. But Dan Cooper was also a real person in this story, correct? Well, that was the name he gave. D.B. Oh. Cooper was the real person that got misinterpreted by got, the Oh, I got that news. confused. Okay. Yeah, so in this comic book hero, he did many adventures, including parachuting. Oh. And then because of the Dan Cooper comics were never translated into English nor were they widely distributed in the U.S. It's something that you could have kind of snuck under the radar. So many speculated that he had encountered them during a possible tour of duty in Europe. Because they're, they're sticking hard with that he was an Air Force veteran. Got it. I mean, I, I can see that. 
And then Cooper also, like I said, chose a seat in the last row of the cabin for three possible reasons. To observe and respond to any action in front of him. Sure. To minimize the possibility of being approached or attacked by someone from behind. Absolutely. And to make himself less conspicuous to the rest of the passengers. All three. That's... All three is a person with military training, my well, dear. I'm like, that's just my normal existence. Or high anxiety. <laughs> Again, my normal yes. existence. <laughs> And then Cooper knew how to operate the air staircase. I'm oh, sorry. All of the knowledge that he has about planes. Not only yeah. the demands he gave to the pilot, but the fact that he's like, Tina, fuck off. I'm going to do this I'm myself. Do- I wouldn't even know how to approach it. And he was successful because they got an alert saying, hey, the staircase has been lowered. So they knew he was able to do it himself. The FBI speculated that Cooper knew... The CIA was using 727s to drop agents and supplies to enemy territory during the Vietnam War, and the plane that was hijacked was a 727. Mm -hmm. Between 1971 and 2016, the FBI processed more than a thousand serious suspects, including assorted publicity seekers and deathbed confessors. Oh, confessors. So they they literally talked to over a thousand people that could really possibly, I guess, be D.B. Cooper. That sounds exhausting. I don't want to be in the FBI anymore. <laughs> so we're going to go over a couple of the people that they named specifically. Potential like suspects. Okay. So there was a man named Theodore Bernadette Braden Jr. It's a long name. Braden, Braden, maybe Braden. Unfortunate, regardless. We're going to call him Theo. Too many names. So Theo, he was a special forces commander during the Vietnam War, a master skydiver, and he was a convicted felon. He was believed by many within the special forces community, both at the time of the hijacking and in subsequent years to have been Cooper. In December 1966, Theo deserted his unit in the Vietnam and made his way to the Congo to serve as a mercenary, but only served there a short amount of time before being arrested by CIA agents and taken back to the U.S. for a court martial, because that's what happens when you desert. Oh. Despite having committed a capital offense by deserting in wartime, Theo was given an honorable discharge and barred from ever re-enlisting in the military in exchange for his continued secrecy about MAC VSOG program. Couldn't tell Sounds you. super secretive. Didn't look into it, but it sounds kind of cool. Sounds like a really long acronym for something <laughs> that's going to be super boring and not exciting. That's why I didn't go into it. So despite his ability as a soldier, he was not well-liked personally and was described by a family member as, quote, the perfect combination of high intelligence and criminality. But this guy seemed pleasant, so I don't think it's him. So that was a big thing. It's like, no, this guy was really liked, personable, even though he was literally hijacking a plane. So that doesn't fit. And then also his descriptors did not 100% match match. what was generally given. But they were kind of close. For all those reasons, they said, hey, I don't think it's this guy. So in 2003, a Minnesota resident named Lyle Christensen watched a TV documentary about the Cooper hijacking and became convinced that his late brother, Kenneth, was db cooper Ooh, which actually is how they found ted kaczynski the unabomber yeah when they released his memoir it was a family brother-in-law i think said hey i think this is my (gasps) brother-in-law so christensen had been enlisted in the army in 1944 and was trained as a paratrooper in world war ii He was deployed in 1945, but he made occasional jump trainings while stationed in Japan with occupation forces in the late 1940s. After leaving the army, he joined Northwest Orient, 
1954 as a mechanic in the South Pacific and subsequently became a flight attendant and then a pursuer based in Seattle. I don't know what a pursuer is. But he worked for this legitimate Air Force. I mean, those, those dominoes are falling into place a little bit more. It explains the working knowledge of the planes uh-huh. for that particular company. So he was 45 at the time of the hijacking, but he was shorter. He was only 5'8", a little bit thinner, 150 pounds, and lighter in complexion than the eyewitnesses' description. But, but those, I do not take anyone's eyewitness No, those are all things that can be completely skewed based on personal perception. But for whatever reason, the FBI has publicly stated that they do not believe Christensen was Cooper. Oh. So now we go into Lynn Doyle, a.k.a. L.D. Cooper. His last name is Cooper. His last name is Cooper. I feel like he would be smart enough not to use a lot. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. So far, it's torn between the first guy and this last guy. Yeah. So L.D. Cooper was a leather worker and a Korean War veteran. And he was proposed as a suspect in July 2011 by his niece, Marla Cooper. All these fucking family members are just ratting out their fucking families, bro. Family means nothing. I guess. (laughs) (laughs) So when Marla was eight years old, she recalled Cooper and another one of her uncles were planning something, quote, very mischievous. The fact that she was eight, throw everything out the window. Right? That's what I said. My kid lies about everything (laughs) all the time. She said that their, you know, mysterious, mischievous shit that they were doing was involving the use of expensive walkie-talkies. And it happened in Oregon. So she's like, A plus B equals Z. This is it. Equals Z. Because it doesn't. So (laughs) the next day, flight 305 was hijacked, which is the flight that he was on. And though the uncle stated that they were turkey hunting, L.D. Cooper returned home wearing a bloody shirt and said that he got into a car accident. So she's like, hey, it was my uncle. He survived the fall, but he got a little injured and he just walked home like nothing ever happened. He was probably out hunting and drunk and got shot or he like hit a deer or something. Or he actually hit a turkey, which he intended on doing and got blood. I, I, that one doesn't ring true. The fact that there's an eight-year-old yeah. in the mix, I immediately just throw that one out the window. But apparently- Kids are liars. They are. But apparently LD was obsessed with that Canadian comic book hero, Dan Cooper, that I mentioned earlier. As I'm sure a whole host of other boys were. I, Cooper was never a skydiver or paratrooper. So FBI is like, that's cool. I don't think so. But she's like, no, it's my uncle. So the FBI compared his DNA that was found on Cooper's tie. Uh And it was not him. Real talk. I have no shadow of a doubt in my mind that Gracie would rat out either one of her uncles. Either Uncle Donald or soon to be Uncle Alex. 100%. Serve up their heads on the do. She'd be like, that sounds like him. Right? (laughs) Again, that would be an A plus B equals Z situation. (laughs) Exactly. No, you don't stand a chance. So there were about 8,000 other possible people that everyone thought was a suspect, but none of whom have been confirmed or have come close to even being legit. So what happened to Cooper? Like I stated earlier, the FBI believes Cooper most likely did not survive his jump due to his apparent lack of skydiving experience, his apparent unfamiliarity with parachutes, His lack of proper equipment for the jump and survival, the inclement weather on the night of the hijacking, the wooden terrain into which he jumped, and his lack of knowledge in the area, along with the fact that the ransom money was never used. There was that little 5,800 that was found, but otherwise they've never been able to substantiate a bill that someone's given with the same serial number. Yeah. But also like, 
how would you know? Yeah, I don't understand how that works. Do you go to works. each business within a I'm, 50 like, mile of radius? If I go to Albertsons and pay for my groceries. Yeah. Like, they don't care enough. To read the fucking serial numbers. They don't care enough to even talk to me most of the time. <laughs> Self-checkout all day. Absolutely. It's only when you have alcohol. I know those bitches. Or, yeah. So in conclusion. In conclusion. This crime remains as the only unsolved case of air piracy in the history of commercial aviation. Air piracy. That's pretty funny. In November of 1976, a Portland grand jury returned an indictment in absentia against John Doe, a.k.a. Dan Cooper, for an air piracy in violation of the Hobbs Act. So basically they I'm held- I'm suing someone, but I don't know who. Well, they held a grand jury saying, hey, if this person is ever to be positively identified- Guilty. Guilty. The indictment formally initiated prosecution to be continued should the hijacker be apprehended. So if they found him, they were a thousand percent going to go through It's like a standing order that you're yeah. fucked. They, the reason they did the grand jury is because the statute of limitations was coming up. So they wanted it on the record forever. You're guilty. So grand jury statute of limitations doesn't apply? It was before the, the statute of limitations. So they said, hey, let's say in oh, so December, was- statute of limitations is up. So in November, we're going to get a grand jury together and we're going to get a, oh. a verdict anyway. Which doesn't sound legal. It doesn't. <laughs> but I, apparently in Oregon, that's it's legal. some legal trickery right I there. Agree. But it doesn't sound like anything ever came of that. So not, not yet. No. Okay. And then lastly, an annual convention known as CooperCon is held every year in late November in Vancouver, Washington. The event founded by Cooper researcher Eric Eulis in 2018 is a multi-day gathering of Cooper researchers and enthusiasts. You would think that all of that brain power would come up with something. And there's <laughs> been multiple people that are like, start from the beginning, this go through this. And dude's they can't probably it. dead already at this point. Well, this, uh, I mean, this was 1971. I mean, he was roughly in his 40s. 40s. So 70s were, yeah. it's still not 30 years ago because it's not. <laughs> I know. 1999 anymore so 50 years ago so he so, he would be in his 90s at best Homeboy's dead i think he's dead he's probably dead whoever you are so i don't think this deserves a cracked rating, rating. because it did happen and we don't have any legitimate in my opinion no lead on of who it could on. Be. but it's, it's interesting it is very interesting i knew nothing going no, into <laughs> it no, it was very, yeah, like you said, cool. interesting. I was engaged the entire Good. time. Yeah, so that I is the like story it. of Mr. D.B. Cooper. I Ooh. feel like I need to go back and watch Without oh, a Paddle. So it's on Peacock. I just watched it. Uh, the free streaming one, or do you need the, like, the free the, one? Oh, okay. I'm going to have to to revisit that. So what do you think you are going to cover next week? So I'm looking at the list, and the most recent thing I have circled but not Next out is Simpsons slash oh, time travel. That's good. Matt Grenning is You're gonna have a time to do a lot of traveler. Research, yeah, that should be fun. I like that. I'm gonna. Yeah, there have been so many instances over oh, yeah, the years where that has cropped traveler. up. I am excited about that. I have a couple new things to add. We had recent feedback via our Spotify yeah. page from one Mr. Johnny, who is a personal friend and listener yes. who really enjoys our stories, especially the personal aspects of our stories. <laughs> So Johnny works with our mom. He was letting us know that 
you know, obviously my mom will vent about whatever and tell specific stories about what happened. And then from her perspective. From her perspective so he's like, it's kind of cool to be able to hear their perspective and somewhere in the middle, I'm sure, is what actually to happened. To compare but, and contrast. And yeah. I'm very curious to see what holes have arisen. Well, you didn't arisen. even say what he wanted us to cover it, yet. He recommended covering the dancing plague. I, I don't know what that I'm is. I'm unfamiliar, but it is worth adding to the list yes. and will be a future topic or our list is ever growing and we do appreciate and take note of the feedback we receive. I keep it coming. We really do yes, like please. the feedback. Engage with us. Make it fun. Yes. Use our social media. Our Instagram, I think is our most active yes. place. So we respond to DMs. You can always email us at crackedsistersconspiracies at gmail.com. I know we've mentioned we have a Facebook that is going the way of the dinosaur. It, it's auto linked to Instagram. So if you're someone on Facebook and you don't want Instagram, you if, can still get it. If everything. you're the parent of someone yeah. on Facebook, <laughs> uh, we have a Twitter. Don't contact us on Twitter, yeah, please. I've never been on it once. And then we have our Patreon, which yes. we're going to start engaging with a little bit more. There have been requests for different pieces of loot that you can acquire depending on the different subscription levels. So <laughs> There was mention of my Chola days back oh, yes. in Halloween years and well, years ago. The request was, I have this picture. If you want to see that picture, that's yeah. something that you could witness. In know. a minimum, it's $1. $1. That's $12 a year. So years. please don't make us resort to OnlyFans. Please just give us a dollar. Give us a dollar on <laughs> Patreon. You can get access to... Yeah, videos, pictures, other interesting artifacts. You can communicate and interact with it. You'll yep. actually get our attention. We do want to do merch at some point, but we'll only do merch if it's... If it's worthwhile. If it's worth it. So if you guys don't donate, we don't know who wants it. So if you want some cool shit that we make, yeah. just donate. So with that, stay cracked, y'all. And have a great day.